Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Father, we thank you today for your presence. Holy Spirit, come right now and just breathe across this room. Come on, just lift up your hands to him. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come and speak to us today. Let it not just be words, but let it be your spirit. Maybe there's some today, Lord, who need encouraging, lifting. Lord, I pray that you'll lift heads today. Be the lifter of heads. Do what only you can do, not what I can do. Lord, what only you do, Jesus. We welcome you, Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. The title of this message this afternoon, and I'm going to be as quick as I can because I want us to pray and minister at the end, but is when God moves in. When God moves in. If you were around in February this year, I shared our vision. We do a vision day every year and shared a message. And the title of that message was, Something is about to happen. Well, I can tell you, I believe something is about to happen and it is happening amongst us. Amen. Do you believe that? Really sensed it at the beginning of the year. And I'm not the type of person who just makes these kind of statements up and just kind of just says it because it's nice. I really did believe that God wants to do something pivotal this year. I really believe as a church, we've gone through some testing seasons. Uh, Individuals have gone through some testing seasons. But how many of you know that when God moves in, he's the one who does the best things? Better than what we can do. And I want to look at the story in Luke chapter 15 today. It's a, a story that we've looked at many times probably before in this church. And it's the prodigal son story. It's a parable that Jesus shared. But I believe it's a great illustration Um, of when the son moves back home and he returns home, the younger son, that there's a great eruption of praise in the house and something's happening that it kind of gives the picture of when God moves in and does something. How many of you know that that story illustrates the, the, the supernatural power of God in someone's life? Uh, some of you today may be like that prodigal son, the younger son, in a situation where you're in a in what I call the pig field, the the place where you think God can't help you, and uh, it's sometimes God allows us to be in them places so that we realise what we need, Amen, and who we need. And what you find in this story is that he spends all his money, and sometimes in our lives our superficial runs out, but when the superficial runs out, it gives opportunity for the supernatural to move in, Amen. Do you believe that? Some of you right now, you've been, you're spent on all of the superficial. You're spent on all of your ways, but now it's an opportunity for God to move in. Amen. In verse 17 of Luke chapter 15, and we're going to start off from there. So right at the point, and I don't know if you're like me, me and my boys, we love to watch movies. And we, we, we watched Home Alone recently. We have the DVDs. You flick through the chapters, and you have these chapter scenes. And the chapter scenes are kind of the, the pivotal points, you know. If you want to jump into the movie and get right to the point where everything changes, you look at these chapter scenes and this is the chapter scene that's the, the pig pen scene. Verse 17 starts with, when he came to his senses. Another version says, when he came to himself. It's the pivotal moment when this son in the story has this moment of kind of revelation to understand that I don't belong in this place. I don't belong in this place where I've put myself through my decisions 
And he has this moment. Do you know what I really believe that when he comes to his senses, it's an illustration not that he just comes to himself because he's logically gone through his decisions and and, and thought, actually, my own wisdom's brought me to this place. But when he came to his senses, it's, it's an illustration of the Holy Spirit moving in someone's life to bring them to that place where they need to turn completely around and say, I need to go back to my father. Some of you this afternoon are probably in those places. And let me tell you, God can rescue you. We're going to read the verses. Verse 17 says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father Simon was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother's come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You know, when sometimes we get into seasons like this and we get into these, what I call, it's not necessarily the pig pen, but he was in the pig field. He was in the field feeding the pigs. It says in one part of this that we didn't read earlier that he contemplated at one stage eating the pig's food. You know, sometimes when you get into places that you never expected and you walk away from the Lord and you get into the wrong field, you end up doing things that you never thought you'd do. You end up thinking things that you never thought you'd think. I want to encourage you today that the the most hostile places is where God can work. That's where God can move in and bring change. You see, when he was in this pig uh, pen, all the music faded. Everything faded away, and now was an opportunity for God to work in. You see, God sees opportunities in, in the worst fields you can be in. Some of you right now are in a battlefield. You're dealing with issues. You're dealing with problems that's so overwhelming to you, so difficult for you to manage, that you're saying, God, I can't, I'm so overwhelmed by this and I need you to move into my circumstance. Some of you are not in a battlefield, you're in a minefield. 
Sometimes our mind's so affected that we, we, we're so overwhelmed by life and the situations. We say, God, how can I get through this? And there's only God can move in. You see, Jesus, he's a great person who sees very differently the fields that we see. In John chapter 4, he says uh, to his disciples, they've just returned back from getting food. He's ministered to the woman at the well. And, and he says this, he says, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. He says, I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. What does he mean? The fields around them. They were in Samaria, hostile environment. This was not a place they thought that Jesus wanted to work, that God wanted to work. But let me tell you, the most hostile fields, the battlefields, the minefields, God can move in. He can bring change. And so many of us, we can familiarize ourselves, we can relate to this younger son. We can relate to the fact that God... You know, we, we hear it all the time. He's going to search for us. The father's waiting. He's in this place where he spent all his money. And some of you may be in that place right now. You place a sin where you, you know, the stench of sin in your life. And you know that God can rescue you. I was just, this week, my son Jacob, I keep telling stories about these, but they're, they're bringing so many stories into my life lately. But when he first started school in September, Jacob, he, he came back and he'd lost his pee kit. We spent all this money, bought him football boots, loses his pee kit. So we went and bought him another one. We couldn't get it. The school couldn't find it. So we get him another one. And he comes home this week and he's lost the second one. How many of you know my patience was running a little bit thin? And so I said, look, have you looked? He says, I looked in lost property, dad. And I said, well, did you look well? He said, yeah, I looked well. I said, well, right, we're going to go down to the school. I drove down there with him. In the evening, this is what you do. Drove in and we parked up, went into the school and I'm hunting around every single room. I said, take me to every room you've been. We're looking. He says, he took me to Lost Property. And Lost Property got these four big, huge metal drawers. I said, tell me, you looked in this? He goes, well, I checked one drawer. I said, which one was that? He said, well, I just looked, looked inside it. I realized when I opened it, the smell that came out, teenage, young, young kids, clothes, that I've not been clean for about a year. And I realized why he'd not looked so far. So I'm rooting through while he stood watching me. And we went through all four drawers and I couldn't find it. So I said, take me to every classroom. I want to go to every room you've been in. And I hunted around. I went through all these smelly places in that school. And we found absolutely nothing. It was this week we sent emails out to the school. We got the school looking. The whole school's now looking for this, this lost bag. How many of you know that I was so blessed this week when the school found both bags in one week? Two bags that were missing. The one that he missed, that we lost in set. So we've got two pee bags now. So we've got one spare for if he loses the other one. But God spoke to me and he said, you know, in Luke chapter 15, it's about, we, we know it's about the lost son. It's about this that we've just looked at, the fact that he's in the pig pen. And we know that, that there's a, that this ability from God to rescue someone in a place of sin. But can I just say to you, this story is not about one son that's lost. It's about two. It's about two. There was two bags that we'd lost. 
We were just looking for one. But I want to just point you towards the other son because can I just say something? We focus very much on the, the fact that he squandered his wealth on prostitutes. He did all these things wrong. But actually, can I just point this out? I believe that the other son's problems were far bigger than the other one. Do you know what it says? It says this. In, in the verses later on, in verse 25 of Luke chapter 15, it says, Meanwhile, this is when the younger sons come home. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. Both sons were in the field. There was one in the field near the house, and there was one in the field near, in the pig pen. Both of them were in a field. Can I suggest to you today that sometimes in our lives, the worst field you can be in is the field of familiarity and religiosity. The worst field you can be in is not because it smells bad and you think, I can't believe I've got to this place. But actually the worst place is when you're so close to home. You're so close to church. You're so close to the Father. But yet you're so far away in your heart. You're so close that familiarity has got you slaving away in the field. Because that's what he was doing. Working in the field for his father. That you're, all you're doing is ticking the boxes every week. Oh look, I, I'm, I'm fulfilling my duties at church. And we do all these things. We fulfill our duties. And what happens is we work our way into a slave mentality. Do you know one of the worst places you can be in is when you attend church just because you're on the rotor. We spot them. Oh, I haven't seen you for a while. Oh, you're on the rotor. When we're on the, we don't want to just come to be on a rotor. That's not what God called you into. He did not call you into a supernatural rotor. Let me tell you, when Joe is doing the rotors, there's nothing supernatural about them in the office. The rotor is not why you're here. We're here to serve the king. And the problem is sometimes is we can be like the lost son who's near the house. Near the Father. And we don't understand what we have in God. We don't understand the benefits of the kingdom. We don't understand because the blessing of being here is disguised. We've lost our desire for the Father. We've lost our desire for Jesus. That is the greatest dangerous place I believe we can be. In Mark 10, 25... It says this, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. These two sons didn't need a change of scenery. They didn't need a change of field. They needed a change of heart. Come on. Some of us are thinking, do you know what? Your prayers sometimes are like, Lord, change this field, change this pig pen, because I'm, I'm finding it so hard, the temptation, I'm even that bad at the moment, I feel like eating the pig food. I feel like doing these kind of sins, and I didn't think I'd feel like this. Do you know what? You don't need to pray about the scenery, you need to pray about your heart, that you get closer to see who the king is. Because when you understand who he is, and you love him with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, you won't want to do them things. You won't want to eat the pig food. Some of us are praying, Lord, change the field. Come on, some of you got to go to the farmer. Some of you got to go to the father and say, God, I need your help. Move in my life. 1 Corinthians 3.9, Paul says this. He's speaking to the church at Corinth. You know, he's been talking to them about their immaturity and their carnal ways. Saying, so, you know, they should be having more rich food, but... 
He says this to him in 1 Corinthians 3, 9. He says, you are God's field. God's building. Can I suggest that you, your life, the sun in that field, in both fields, the individual, the human being, you today are far more important than what's going on around you. No, but you don't understand. I haven't got a, the job I wanted and all this is going wrong for me at the moment and everything's, everything's going wrong in my life. Listen to me. I understand when things go wrong because Jesus said there'll be trouble in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. There are problems, but do you know what he's more interested in? You. Oh, but Jesus sought out my job. No, he's interested in you. Because if he can work in your field in here, you will have a different perception of the field you're in. But some of us don't allow him to move in our hearts. We just want him to move in our circumstances. And I want to encourage you today to allow God to move again in your heart. I was with a pastor recently, and a local pastor who was sharing with me about a guy who's coming to the church. He's from the village that, of this church, and he's, he's a well-known character in the, in the village. He's got so trans, transformed by the power of God, but it, it shook the whole village. This is not far from here. Come on, God's doing something, not just here. Come on, I love it when he's doing things in all churches. So I was with this pastor. It's a completely different denomination. And we were just rejoicing in the Lord of what is happening with one individual. Now this person's come in and transformed, but you know, people, are, people who've been there years are a bit like, wow, we, is, this, is this really happening? But let me tell you, when, when, when one life gets transformed, it shakes things up. You see, when people come in here and start getting saved and there's tears of repentance and people start to give their lives to Jesus and there is absolute transformation taking place, let me tell you, it's going to shake this whole place. Some of you are going to see the prodigals returning home. Some, come on, I'm prophesying this house is going to see the prodigals returning home. People who've left church, people who've left the faith, people who should be here right now are going to come back. And so, do you know what happens when prodigals get back? We're like, oh, I'm not so sure about this. I had, a bit, I had a bit of a problem with that person. You've got to drop all your problems. You've got to say, God, we want these people to come back in. Not for numbers, but for you. Not for, not for people to sit on these seats, but for you. Hallelujah. When God moves in, number one, he releases a new sound. A new sound. You see, what happens is this. It says that, verse 25, when he came near the house, this is the older son, he hears music and dancing. He hears the music and dancing. He calls one of his servants and asks him, what is going on? What's going on? He doesn't enter in and say, oh, let's have a party, you know, that my brother's come home. He's angry his brother's come home. Why? Because he hasn't got the relationship with the father to understand. You can be in church and get upset when someone gets a touch and you haven't had a touch in a while. When you see someone who's just got saved and they seem to be happier than you are and you've been serving on the, on the rotors for two years, ten years, fifteen years and you're like, why are they looking so happy? Let me tell you, you need to get happy in the Lord again. <laughs> why are they so happy? 
And do you know what? If I'd have been that brother, I'd have been like, away. My brother's come home. Come on, let's have a party. But he stands outside. He says, what is going on? What's going on? I don't understand all the noise. I don't understand this, this praise, this exuberance that is taking place. Verse 28 says this. Check this out. He became angry and refused to go in. Do you know that you can enter into the building but not enter into the presence of God? You can enter into the building but not enter into worship with Jesus. Do you know it's so easy. It's Anyone can, anyone can walk through the door, grab a coffee and come and sit up here. Come on. Anyone can, anyone can raise their hands if they want to. You know, if I say lift up your hands, you might be like, oh, I'll do it just because he said so then. Any one of us can do that. We can go through the motions. The problem is, are our, not, not about the motions, are our emotions taking control of us? Are our emotions taking the better of us when actually Jesus wants better for us? So actually, what God wants from you is true worship to him. Spiritual worship in spirit and truth. John chapter 4. These are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. That's what Jesus says. She says, where where, where are they going to worship? He says, no, a time has come now and is coming. That people worship in spirit and truth. I want to encourage you today. It's time to have a new sound. A new sound that comes from you. That is not going through the motions. Because when God moves in your life, a new sound begins to come out of you. And it's going to, it's going to upset some people. You see, when I sing in tongues sometimes, some people might be like, I don't know what that funny language is he's singing in. i got some news for you. When God fills someone... I just can't help it. And I have to worship him. We can explain it more to you. This morning we had a a message in tongues was given at the end of the worship. And then an interpretation that was accurate. I believe from the Lord. This is what happens. And we want a sound that's going to rise up from this house. That people begin to say, what's going on in there? Not, oh, doesn't it look good the way they present their worship? No, I want people to say, what is happening in there? It's different. That son must have been like, oh, what's happening? Things have changed. It's different. I don't normally hear this kind of music. What's happened? There's a shift taking place. I remember when I was a student once. Uh, yes, I've been a student living in Cambridge. And I lived in student accommodation. When, when the students went away for summer, I used to stay there because it was the quietest time. They all cleared off. I had six weeks to have peace and quiet in the house while everyone went home. I lived with a bunch of musicians. So when they returned, boy did I know they, they came back. Plugs in the guitar and they're all strumming away, playing keyboards. I recognized it when the washing up didn't get done any longer. And this son recognizes something's happening. But he refuses... To enter in. I put here that if we miss the object of our worship, we miss the opportunity for worship. If we miss the object of what we're worshipping, who we're worshipping Jesus, we miss the opportunity. Come on, I want to question your heart. When you come, what are you coming for? Some people say, oh, I didn't like the worship today. Since when was the worship about you? Come on. When was it about you? When was it about whether you liked it or not to determine the level of whether Jesus liked it or not? 
the question is, is, are we willing to worship when all is stripped away? When the music fades? Are we willing to do it? Are you willing to do it when the lights turn off? In some cases, when the smoke machine gets turned off. Are you willing? Come on. To worship him with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. When Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the Pharisees, they rebuke the disciples. They said to Jesus, come on, tell them to, tell them to turn it down a little bit. A bit loud, aren't they? It's a bit too, that's on the, on the extreme passionate scale, Jesus. Come on. Jesus turns around to me and says, if they don't do this, the stones will have to cry out. The stones will have to worship me. And, and so he just lets them go. He lets them roll. And he lets them do this. And, and do you know what he goes on to say? He says that they'll not rec- He says they didn't recognize the time of his coming. Some of us don't understand. We don't see. If we're not in the spirit, you won't see when there's a shift taking place in the worship. Do you know that? You'll say, what's going on? I don't understand this. And so this is why you need the Spirit of God to start to burn in your life. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, can I just say, and speaking in tongues, it is for each and every one of you. In Acts chapter 2, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, every one of them spoke in tongues. Yeah, but it's not for me. Yes, it is. It's for you. It's for everyone. For you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And a sound will come. From round about you. You see I believe that in that house. This picture of the, the son and the father. Dancing music. And, and the, the elation that was going on. Do you know what happens in worship? It is a two way exchange. When we come we worship the king. I believe that God sings over us. Zephaniah 3.17 says. God rejoices over you with singing. Hallelujah. Come on. Do you know that? Do you realize that you might not have heard him do it. But he did it. When we were singing to him, you lift up the images, he's singing over you. He's singing over his bride. He's singing over his bride. You are precious to him. Do you know that? So precious. So he sings over us. It's a two-way exchange. And do you know what? I reckon that brother was getting a bit wound up. He's like, I can hear this two-way exchange of elation that's going on between the son and my dad. I don't like this. I'm angry. There's emotions welling up. There's resentment. There's pride. And all of these things, emotions can stop you from entering into true spiritual worship. Isn't it Jesus who said in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about bringing your gift to the altar. He says, before you bring your gift, go and sort out your differences with people. In other words, your anger, your problems. Do you know what? Many times when we look at that, we're thinking about just the gift of of bringing our money. Oh, you know, before I give my gift in the offering time, I better sort out the problem. You know, if we did that every week, there'd be no one here, would there? We've all got problems that we need to deal with. But listen, I believe it's more than just a gift of what we give in our money. It's our gift of worship. Some of us, what Jesus is saying here is, emotions, anger will hinder you from entering into true worship with me. And you can sing it with your mouth. It's all lip service, but your heart's not in the right place. Come on. We need a new sound. A sound of the Spirit. The same sound, that, the kind of sound of elation that was heard in that house. And we need to have an attitude that says, I want to engage in this. I want to engage in what's going on. In Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, when they were all together in one accord, it says. 
Do you know what it says? It says a sound, verse 2. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. All of them, it says, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, this is talking about speaking in tongues, but can I just say, I believe that if we want to hear a sound of the Spirit in this house, it first needs to come from heaven. You don't, you don't make it happen. In Acts chapter 2, they didn't go into the upper room and say, shall we think about how we can make a nice sound that sounds spiritual to sound like we're spiritual so then we're clothed with power from on high? No, a sound came from heaven. It came. Tongues of fire separated upon each and every one of them. Then they were filled. Then what happens is, when it fills you, a sound comes from you. <laughs> Some people are like, I've, I've got to try and copy that person. You don't have to copy me. You don't have to copy anyone. You just got to say, God, I want what's from heaven for my life. Fill me. Fill me from the inside out so I make a sound to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. A new sound. That's what was heard. When God moves in, Ephesians 5 talks about that we speak to, uh, to, uh, to each other in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We need the Spirit of God to make a new sound when God moves in. When God moves in, number two, He restores our identity. Come on. Do you know that this, we know that that story, we've heard it preached many times, the, 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 young, the young lad in that, pig pen his life is changed and his identity is given back as he returns back to the father do you know what i really believe that some of us right now we've lost our perception of our identity this is the, the very thing that satan wants to get you in to lose your identity of who you are in christ because if you can rob that you'll not but you'll not function in the right way and, and it says this, that he comes back. And the father says, verse 22, says to his servants, quick, quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Do you know what? I love this. It says quick. I believe that, that God is very quick to restore. Why? Because he's paid the price. He doesn't need to go and decide how he's going to do it. He's done it. Once and for all, 2,000 years ago, he paid the price in order for him to quickly restore someone. There's no debate. He can do it quickly. Do you know the problem is? He's so quick to restore and turn around our lives and the lives that you observe. He's so quick to do it that we're so quick to reject it and forget it. We're like, how could you do it so quickly? Surely there must be a, a method in this. Surely there's a process. Surely I've got to be perfect over time. Surely this can't be that good. Surely, when we observe and say, God, I, I see this as a quick turnaround in someone's life. It's a quick turnaround in my life, but I'm not so sure. Surely it's more complicated than this. Let me tell you, the gospel is as simple as you want it to be. It is simple. It's not complicated. Some of, I mentioned it this morning. Some of you have been seen on social media. I, I've been seeing a lot and chatting to people about Kanye West, the rapper in America. Some of my boys like listening to rap and this guy in America does an album, Jesus is King. And I, the, the amount of social media stuff you see 
of people criticizing the guy. That it's not a, a, a true conversion. Come on. Since when did you have the right to say that about someone? Who told you? The Bible says that you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And it says your own, not someone else's. Your own. Stop trying to say that Kanye West is this or that. Listen to me. He may do things wrong, but join the club, so do I. Come on. We can't point the finger. You've got to pray for the man. Pray for the man. Pray that he's turned. Pray that he reaches. Because I'll tell you what, Kanye West is probably reaching more people than you've ever reached. We have two services here. I'm not trying to criticize anyone, but let's just look at this. We have two services here with the amount of people that's flown through each week. 25 evangelists out on the street is not representative of the whole house. Now, that, I know people have their reasons, and I'm not criticizing. I'm just trying to show Kanye West reaches all these people. With his message, we've got to believe that God is going to do something magnificent in his life. He's quick to restore. He's quick to put the robe on people. But what we like doing is taking the robe off them. Hang on. When God moves into someone, he changes, he restores their identity. Hallelujah. And some of us have lost it and we can't find it. Because we're looking in the wrong place. Just the other week I lost my bank card. We lose a lot of things in our house. And I realized the last place I went and I lost it. So I, I contacted the, the shop. They said, yeah. This lady says, yeah, we got your card. It's here. I said, what? She said, what's your name? I told her my name. She says, yes, that's your card. So I, I drove down to the shop, went in there. And the woman who I spoke to on the phone wasn't there. And so there's a guy behind the till. And I'm like, I called up earlier and my bank, you've got my bank card. He said, hang on. So he went in the back. He comes out with my bank card. And you know when someone's really smug because they know they've got something that you want? <laughs> and you know that he's just centimeters away from you getting it. But he just held on. He would not give it to me. And he looked at me and he said, have you got proof of ID? I thought, that card is mine. I've had a conversation with the woman on the phone. Give me the card. And, and, and the thing is, I didn't have any proof of ID. That's the problem. I did have no proof of ID. Then all of a sudden, I thought, I know. I know the last four digits of the card. So I said, hang on a minute. I don't need proof of ID. I know the last four digits. He said, huh, do you? And I was like, yes. <laughs> you know when you think I've got something over you? Now? And I said, yeah, and I'm not going to tell you what the numbers were. Marvelous was getting really excited then. And I, and I said, I read out these numbers with passion. And he just, and he actually looked at me and paused for me. I thought, how on earth could I have memorized four, di no, four digits? And he held it back for a moment. I said, and I just put my hand out. And he passed it to me and gave it to me. You see, when you know who you are and you know what Jesus has done in your life, you can take it back from the enemy. You can take what's yours because he has marked you. And I want to encourage you today that what has been stolen from you in your mind and your perception, you can take it back. Because what the enemy took to his camp, you can go back and say, that is mine. Hallelujah. 
Why? Because the word says it's mine. The word says it. Hallelujah. He restores identity. Quick. Put on this robe. Put on the ring and the sandals. Hallelujah. You see the robe represents the robe of righteousness. Do you know what? When he gives you robes of righteousness, come on, this is not just a nice term. He gives you robes that have no spot or blemish. They are pure white robes. Robes that you don't deserve. We sung that this morning without anyone knowing I was going to speak on this. The the Jared Cooper song. Righteous robes. The robes I don't deserve. You don't deserve them, but he gives them to you. He's quick to give them. And let me tell you today, if you're thinking, I am a sinner and I've, met, I've done things wrong. Well, yes, you are. But listen, there is forgiveness that comes from the throne room of God. There is grace. Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. No condemnation, just conviction from the Holy Ghost. Conviction to draw you back to say, listen, the best voice of the Holy Spirit is this. You're not like that. You're not like that, Phil. That's not you. Come on, put your robe back on. Put your robe back on. Put your robe back on. That's the voice of conviction. The voice of condemnation is you don't have a right to have any robe. But let me tell you, the truth is you do. Come on. Some of us have got to start saying, Lord, you did it for me. You did it for me. I received the robe. God, move in my life again. Hallelujah. The, the ring... Is the promise, the seal of the Holy Ghost, that's the representation of it. That promise, it's the seal. When you give an engagement ring to someone, you're telling them, we're getting married. That's the promise, the seal of the Holy Ghost on your life. If you've given your life to Jesus, there is a seal upon you. Some of us need to to start to believe that he's given us robes of righteousness that cover our sin. But also he's given us a seal of promise. He's given us his helper, his spirit to move in the midst of our lives. Hallelujah. And then finally the sandals. Come on. I love the sandals. Why do I love the sandals? Because the Bible tells me how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Hallelujah. Shekabasotobo. Come on, when we walk in the purposes of God. Come on, he's got plans for you. Some of you have thrown the sandals off and said, it's not for me. It's time to put your robe on. It's time to put your ring on. It's time to put the sandals on. It's time to get the Mill Road Winter Fair with your sandals on. Oh, but it's not for me. Yes, it is. It's for you and for me. So we can walk into the purposes of God. Do you know last week when we had Mark, Mark's, we had a great time with Mark. It was wonderful. And one of the quotes that Mark said was this. He said, the awesome is in the awkward. I love that. The awesome is in the awkward. In other words, when we step out and we want to see the awesome in God, we're going to have to walk into awkward situations. And some of us on Tuesday night, we felt pretty awkward in some areas. Even me. But prior to Tuesday night, I went to the gym just the other week and I was in the gym and Towards the end of being in the gym, in fact, it was the day after Mark Marks had been, I was just about to leave the gym and saw this, this crowd of women around a woman who'd damaged her ankle with an ice pack on it, and someone was outside phoning the ambulance. And so as I'm walking out the gym, I'd just tweeted before I went to the gym, 
The awesome is in the awkward. Hashtag Mark Marks. Sounded good. In practice, it was quite difficult. Because I was in the gym, and, and, I, and I saw this group of people. And when I saw them, I'm walking out of the gym. I was just about to exit, and I thought, shall I go over and do something and pray for the woman with the ice pack? And I was so tempted to, but this voice inside said, no, you don't want to do that. It's not for you. That's too awkward. It's too difficult, that. It's too challenging. And as I walked out, I, I walked past them in shame as I, as I walked outside. And, and as I stepped out, a voice came inside of me and said, you tweeted that the awesome is in the awkward. Now get back in there, in the awkward. I'm like, God, are you sure? Come on, maybe for Mark, Mark's not for me. And as I stood there, do you know what? God always gives a second option. Have you noticed that? If he challenges you, he, he's kind of straight in front of you. And, and I looked and there's a woman right outside the gym. I've just shut the door and I feel this conviction. And I see a woman stood by, a, by the car, phoning the ambulance, talking. She's going, yes, she's hurt herself and blah, blah, blah. So I thought, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I walk up. I said, excuse me. She comes off the phone. I said, I noticed your friend in there has hurt her ankle. I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I believe that that, you know, I pray for people and I believe Jesus heals. If you want to, you go and tell your friend, I will pray for her now. She goes, oh, she'd love that. That would be great. So we walk back in and there's all the, the, the crowd's getting bigger. And I, and I walk over with her and I'm sweating. I feel, like, I feel like falling on the floor and acting like I've got an injury myself. <laughs> and I walk across and I see and she's, she's got her foot resting on with an ice pack. The gym instructor's there. I'm like, oh no. And she walks across. She goes, hi everyone. She goes, I've just met this gentleman outside. He's a Christian. I'm like, where is he? <laughs> Thinking this is just, this is just gone too far. And everyone looked at me and said, oh. She said, and he says that he believes that he'd like to pray for this lady and that people, that Jesus heals. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm expecting that the woman's going to be like, yeah, please pray for me. What must I do to be saved? And she just turned around and goes, no, I'm okay, thanks. Now I'm right in the awkward. Let's just say the awesome weren't there. Have you ever been there? Come on, God, you said it'd be awesome. I'm right there in the awkward. And then straight away, a woman turned around. She goes, I'm a dancer. She goes, I've got a problem with my foot. Would you pray for my foot? I'm like, come on, Jesus. <laughs> yes, I can. Come on, in the name of Jesus. So I pray for a foot in front of all of these people, including the one with the ice pack on. And she gets healed. The pain leaves her foot. She's trying to find the pain in her foot. God touches her right in front of all these people. And the woman with the ice pack, and I'm like, you know, I bet you wish you'd let me pray for you now. <laughs> she sat there with the ice pack on. She still wouldn't let me pray. She's still hesitant. And then another person says, I've got a problem as well. And I pray for her ankle. God touches her ankles. They can't find the pain. Then the gym instructor filling in the accident form with the ice pack says, I've got a problem with my back. Would you pray for me? I pray for her, her leg grows out and her hip shifts. She gets up, says to me this, she says, you should get a job here. <laughs> There's my backup plan. <laughs> the awesome was there. Do you know what? I start talking to him all. I says, yeah, I'm from a church. I start telling him all about the church. I'm now talking. I'm having a service in the gym. 
You see, the thing is this, that when I stepped out of the gym and I hear this voice of conviction, there's another voice inside that says, no, you don't need God. God can't move in you, Phil. Come on. And then you've got a voice saying this, come on, put, put the sandals on. Put the sandals on. Put the robe on. Robe. I know you've done things wrong, but you have a robes of righteousness. You're forgiven. You're washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Get back in there, boy. You've got a ring on your finger. You're, you're, you are filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Come on. If I'm God's field, then I'm going to change this field that I'm in. If I'm God's field and he is working on the inside of me, then I have the power to change the field I'm working in. Hallelujah. Come on. It's time for some of you. To put back on your robes, your ring, your sandals. Hallelujah. And let God move in to your life. The problem is that the the older son in this story that we read earlier. He says this. When the father went out to plead with him. He says this. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Verse 29. Never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat. So I could celebrate with my friends. Do you know what he was saying? He says, all these years I've been working. I've, I've ticked all the boxes. I did everything. I did everything. I did everything. I did the rotors. I, I came to church. I, I prayed every day because Eric Gilmore said I shouldn't. I did all these things. Did it all. Where's my goat, dad? Where's my goat? Do you know what the problem is? When you lose perception of the relationship with the Father, you shrink God. So you shrink your expectation. So now you don't want a fattened calf because you didn't think you're allowed a fattened calf. You only want a goat. And let's just face it, he didn't want a goat to celebrate with the Father. It was with his friends. So actually your expectations change and your intentions change. Because you don't want it for relationship, you just want it for religion. You just want it for, I did this, so I deserve this. It's payment. And I want to say to you today, God wants to give you more than a goat. He wants to give you more than the simplicity of a goat. He wants to give you his everything. He says to him later on, didn't he? He says, everything I have is yours. Everything. The lot. You can have it all. You've been working in the field. It's all yours. Do you know, that, do you know what I find about this story? What's amazing is... That all the time he's right by the house working, he's living in the house with the father. Do you know what? The robe, the sandals, and the ring were all there for him to try on. The, he had access, but he didn't do it. It was the son, the transformation when God moved in his life that showed him the poverty in his own life. Some of us are not willing to try on what God has got for us. You know, the other day my son Jacob, he walks into the bedroom on the morning. We were getting ready before school and he walks in. He says, Dad, he says, are these supposed to fit me? And he walked in with some of my jeans on. Some black jeans. And he, he came and he says, and I realized the night before I put his uniform in, out in the dark and put my trousers with his uniform. And he put them on. And a lot of the time is if his trousers are too big, we've got elastic in the, in the insides that we tighten them. And so normally he gets me to adjust them. He says, Dad, are they supposed to be this big? They were halfway dropping down. I said, they're my trousers. Do you know, bless him though, he put them on. 
And the Lord spoke to me and said this, my church are not putting on my robes. They're not being clothed with what I'm giving them because it feels too big for them. But I've got something to say. And my other son, Lewis, every time he starts school in September and we give him a pair of new trousers, they're always a little bit too big for him because like any father, you always say, son, you'll grow into them. You'll grow into them. My son said, Lewis, he said, I don't want to wear the trousers. I'm going to wear shorts instead because they're too big. He was wearing shorts in September. Bless him. But listen, this is what we do. We don't want to wear it because we think that the God's purpose and plan for us, it's too big. But do you know, his, his robes, his clothing, his power from on high will always feel like a bigger fit for you. It'll be like, this is too big. Why? Because it is too big. Because you, without God, can't do anything. Jesus said that. Without me, you'll do nothing. <laughs> do you know what? What he has paid for, what the, 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 the robes he's given you, it's a one size fits all. Like it or lump it, if there's a lot of room in it, get used to it. Because you'll be forever growing into it. In Jeremiah 1 verse 7, when there's a promise to Jeremiah that he knew, it says here, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you, you as a prophet to the nations. Do you know what? What is that saying to us? Before even a cell was formed in Jeremiah, before he was absolutely nothing, there was a purpose. There was a mantle. There was a robe for him as a prophet to the nations. You'll always feel smaller than what the, the robe is. But put it on and let God work through you. Hallelujah. Finally. When God moves in, he renews our mindset. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. If the worship team want to come back, that would be great. My son, the father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. Do you know what I find is that that son, the oldest son was out in that field he had everything but saw nothing perception mindset he had everything but he saw nothing do you know what in the field that you're in now some of you right now are praying Jesus get me out of this job get me out of this situation get me out of this place and do you know what? I believe that God is saying back, I put you there. I put you where you are to influence it, to bring change. Because if you, if we are God's field, we're going to influence the field. Amen. We're going to influence what God has placed around us. He was in a place that he had everything but saw absolutely nothing. He was blinded. To what God had for him. You see the reality is this. Is that the field. Get this. The field that he was working in. And some of us. Do you know what? We're working for the Lord. You're doing things. And you're serving the Lord. You can be on teams. Worship teams. Doing all these kind of things. You're serving the Lord. And you think to yourself. This is not really the blessing. I'm not being blessed. I don't feel comfortable here. 
But do you know what? The field was just as blessed as the house. The field was just as blessed as the house. Where God can move in fields, He can move outside. You don't have to be inside the house. You can be wherever. You can be outside of this church tomorrow in the most darkest situations of your life. You can be walking through seasons right now in your family. You can be walking through seasons that you're saying, I don't understand this, Lord. Listen to me. Whatever field you're in, His presence does not change. It doesn't turn down. It remains the same. It remains the same. It's not good. How do I know this? The Bible tells me so. It says this in Genesis 39 verse 5. When Joseph is in Potiphar's household. You know, he's got the challenges with the temptations with Potiphar's wife. And all this is going on. And he's in this household. And it says this in verse 5. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had. Both in the house and in the field. You see, God blesses every. When we submit to his purpose and his plan, say, God, move in me. I believe the dream. I believe the purpose. Whether I'm in prison, your favor is on me. Wherever I am, I'm in the house. Even in temptation, even in times of difficulty. You're blessing Potiphar. You're blessing the house, the field. Listen, you gotta, you got to see this. That even when you're outside, you got to dance in your field. You've got to change the atmosphere and bring the new sound to your workplace, your universities, your colleges, your schools. You can change the sound because it doesn't change. You don't need to be here and have, a, and have music. You can change the sound. Because the field is as blessed as the house. He just didn't see that. Hallelujah. If your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost and you are the field of God, then let me tell you, you've got something good inside of you. (laughs) You've got something good going on inside of you and you can change your week this week. You can change your month. You can change your year. 2020, you don't need someone to tell you that 2020 is the year of 2020 vision and it's all supernatural just because it's called 2020. Listen to me. Every year... See, I know that all next year I'm going to see conference after conference saying it's 2020. It's the, the year of God's spirit and 2020 vision. It, 2019 is no different to 2020 for me. Yeah. Come on. I don't need someone to tell me because of the name of the year that it changes. I know who my God is. I know in whom I believe. I know the one I serve. And his spirit is the same because it says Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So he's the same 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. Don't wait for someone to tell you it's shifted. It's changing, it's changed and it's changing all the time. He's working in every life. Hallelujah. Although we might have a conference called 2020 Vision. Why not? If you can't beat them, join them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, I'm coming to finish now, I promise. But I just want to just say this to you. When I, you know, this is all about God moving into us. We're the vessel. We want him to move in and just take full control. So we surrender. Do you know what I believe that that sound was when the, when the oldest son came and he heard the sound? Do you know what that sound was? It's the sound of surrender. God, take me everything. 
It's that singing of saying, I, I surrender to you, Father. I made a mistake. It's that singing of surrender and dancing. And, and let me just say, when I moved into my house earlier this year, in, in August, I moved into a rental accommodation. And when I moved in, the day I moved in there, they gave me a bunch of keys and I wandered around the house and I, I realized quite quickly that some of, the, some of the, the keys didn't open all the doors. I went out to the shed and I, I looked through the shed window and I'm like, wow, that's a nice lawnmower. Went to get the key, no key for it. I've been looking through that window since August. I still can't get in. Seen all these things that I could have and could use. And I paid the rent, you see. I've not failed to pay the rent. Have you ever noticed that they always want you to pay the rent? But when you call them about the things that you need that you've paid for, you never seem to get it. And I paid the rent, so I believed I had access. Do you know that Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, bought you with a price? He paid for your life. So he deserves access to all areas of everything you are. And if you're saying, oh, you know, there's an area in me that I don't need God to do things in the spirit and I don't want to speak in tongues. I don't want all that. Listen to me. Do you know what? Really? Do you really have a choice? Do you really have a choice to have preference? It's like setting your preferences in God. You know, we all do that. There's every, app, every application on a computer program, there's always preferences, isn't there? Pop into the preferences. Oh, I don't want them notifications. I don't want that. Some of us, we go in and we're like... This is my preference for my Christianity. Let me tell you, despite all the denominations, there's only one Christianity. It's to be born again of the Spirit of God, filled with His Spirit. That's all you need. And you can't, you don't have a choice really to, to set the preferences. You've got to say, God, here I am. Send me, use me, fill me, move in my life. I am a living sacrifice for you. If you're a living sacrifice, there's no preferences. So I'm just encouraging you today. If some of you are saying it's not for me, it is for you because all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And some of you right now, God wants to fill you this afternoon with the Holy Spirit. And as I said, we're going to pray in a minute. I'm going to ask God to just come and move and Holy Spirit to fill people. I can't make it happen. I cannot make anything happen. I can't make you speak in tongues, but the Holy Spirit can fill you right where you are. This morning we're praying for people. And people were filled. I believe it. Whether you do it today and you speak out today. When I was filled here in 2002, I didn't say much when I first was in here. But when I went the next day, I went to work and started to speak out work. Started to speak in tongues. It began to flow like a river. Come on. You've got to have faith. It takes faith. If I can stop and start my tongue whenever I want to, that means I have to start it on the first time I receive it. So you have to open your mouth and speak out in faith. Speak the first word. Keep repeating that word. Repeat that word. Then another word will come. Then another word will come. Then another word will come. Then you'll be flowing in the spirit. Then God will fill you. He'll clothe you with power from high. Then you'll realize I got robes. I got, I got a ring. I got sandals. Come on. It's time to go and do some damage to the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.